for a lot of us, we're probably not very good at rest, so it kind of feels a bit like that, <laughs> like that guy there. Um, the, we're kind of doing this, the, the idea, you might sort of think like, oh, rest, this doesn't seem that relevant to church, maybe like it's just such a basic thing in life, or or um, maybe this straight away it's kind of like this is a challenge, like, oh, wow, I'm not, I don't know how to rest, and this, this is going to be be difficult. But the interesting thing is that rest is a really um, common and important theme in Scripture, um, something that God talks a lot about and is, is really highly valued. But at the, on the other side, actually, for the most part, in our sort of culture, in our sort of society, um, in most people's lives, rest is not a reality. <laughs> uh, and actually, it's a battle. It's actually really, really difficult to live a life at rest. Um, for most people, we ask them how they are, they say busy, full of stuff. And maybe it's not work, but maybe it's just stuff. It might be fun stuff, but it's still, sometimes too much fun stuff is actually tiring. And you sort of go on a big trip or you sort of go and do all these fun activities, but you end up at the end of it, you're actually not rested. You're actually tired and, and overwhelmed. And on top of that, like the things, I guess, have shifted a lot in culture, like I guess, um, I don't really remember it, but uh, probably a lot of people remember we, Sundays used to sort of be a day off, shops would close, like, so if you want to do something, you can't, it's all shut down. But that doesn't exist anymore. Now things just run 24-7, like um, job, people's jobs often is just all the time um, on your phone or on different things. So actually, in a lot of ways, sort of work can become life. Um, work can become all-consuming. Um, it's just the thing that e- either you're always working, maybe it's not necessarily a job, but maybe it's to achieve something, maybe it's a goal, maybe it's just to fix up stuff, maybe it's to get more money, maybe it's to impress people, maybe it's even ministry, to, to have success in ministry. It's just constant work and achievement. And and maybe that's not that, that we're at work all the time, but maybe it's even just that we're always checking something on a phone. Um, you sort of it maybe used to be sort of go do your job and then you come home and it's finished but now it's like you can get an email uh, people can contact you you're available all the time um, so, so work in a lot of ways stuff is always running it's not really a good conducive environment to rest it often can be draining but on top of that even if it's not work say even if, if, if you don't have a job necessarily or don't have time to work our culture still can really make us tired just through really constant, endless consumption and distraction and entertainment. Like, again, I guess things are different in in the olden days. Like, if you wanted to watch your TV show that was on Thursday night, I remember when Lost came out. It was on, like, once a week. And you watch it, and then it finishes, and you have to wait a whole week for the next episode. And you have to, like, it takes so long. And now it's, like, Netflix, five seconds. And then you watch one, and then you watch another one, and another one. And on the one hand, that's cool, but for the most part, when that happens, when we just maybe do a big Netflix binge or do a YouTube binge or something like that, two, three hours later, like, you probably don't really feel rested. Maybe it's like, that was kind of fun, like, there was some good stuff I learned and watched, but actually, I feel tired, I feel drained, I feel distracted, just consumed, and actually not being filled or rested at all. So actually, in the, in the, in the world and the culture we live in, Often, we don't find rest. Often, we're either producing or trying to achieve constantly. And if we're not producing and trying to achieve, we're consuming or trying to be distracted constantly. And not, not just like most of the time, but like 24-7. Often, we're either in one of these modes, producing, achieving, trying to get to the next thing, 
or trying to just satisfy with fun and, and exciting things and trips and, and entertainment and, and whatever. And actually, in a lot of ways, there's no rest. And, and sadly, this is even true for, for just church and Christianity often. Uh, often ministry, we have this sort of idea of achieve. We want results, we want to produce, we want to grow, we want to th- these things. And, and, or maybe it's consumption, we just podcast and we just listen and we just, we're just constantly consuming things. And again, at the end, there might be no rest. And actually, we find that rest is rare. Rest is a battle. Rest is actually, in a lot of ways, revolutionary. To, to actually be a person at rest, who's, who's at peace, who's satisfied, not constantly producing, achieving, or consuming, or being distracted. But the interesting thing is, this idea, this is revolutionary, or countercultural, and we're called to be revolutionary, countercultural, and, and in a lot of ways, that's what God is like. God is actually not the God we might expect. Uh, often, people's ex- expectations of God might be that He's a bit like a demanding boss, or a slave driver, or a parent that's like perfectionistic and never pleased, and God is always wanting more, or God is always busy, God's doing all this stuff, God's, God's not interested, God doesn't have time. Like that might be even our perception of God. But we see when we come to Scripture that it's really, really different. So what I want to do today is going to go through, um, it's like a big brush, sort of quick overview of the Bible, some, some key themes around rest just for this first one in this Serious. And the really interesting thing is this theme of rest starts right at the start of the Bible. First chapter of the Bible talks about God creating. But then it says this at the end, in chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were completed in their vast array. So God is created. By the seventh day God had finished the work he'd been doing. So on the seventh day he rested from all his work. Now that's not something you'd expect to read about God. <laughs> That God has created a world and now he's resting. He's rested. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating he had done. This is actually back then. Like when, when Genesis was written and there's other creation stories that other groups wrote. The, the idea of a God that rests. And, and this rest that, that, that the, the author of Genesis is writing about, it's not just like God rests and kind of just demands that everyone keeps working. The idea is that God rests as a model for us to rest. He, he kind of wants us to rest with him. Uh, so it's interesting, Adam and Eve were created on the sixth day, and God rests on the seventh. They start from this place of rest, resting in God. So this was actually quite countercultural and different. This is how one author says it. This, so this idea that God rests. Actually, we serve a God at rest. This author says, the biblical creation account essentially served as a theological rebuttal of all the other gods who never allowed anyone else to rest. God, Yahweh, God of of Israel, he's a different God to the other gods. Other gods are demanding, slave-driving gods. He's not. He's a God who rests. In a restless world, Yahweh required rest. Again, imagine what kind of first impression that would have given to the ancient person's understanding of Yahweh. The God of Scripture not only rests, but invites, but himself, but invites the world to rest with him. This is so interesting that actually God is a God who rests. And this is not like, like God gets tired. <laughs> it's not God's been had a big week creating everything and now he needs a break. Like, like that's just, we just understand that's not God. It's not that God needs to do that. 
but he, he chooses in, in many ways to step back and take delight in his creation to stop. He's worked and now he stops. And as he's been working, he's been saying how good it is. And now he steps back and he takes delight in his work. He, he, he stops and he rests as a model. This idea of rest is the idea of ceasing or stopping work. It's a different mode. There's another thing I've been reading this week that's interesting that, that said ancient like accounts of creation and, and, and then building something. If someone was to build something in six stages, the creation accounts of over six days in Genesis. This, this author said if someone back then was to talk about building something in six stages, they would be building a temple. So a temple is a, is a building to house a god. And this, this, this interpretation is saying that actually what God is doing is he's, he's creating the world. And actually if someone was building a temple, it would take six stages. The seventh stage would be when the God actually enters to dwell in the temple. And this is a different sort of picture of understanding this text that actually God has been building the world as a temple for himself to dwell in. That actually at the end, God doesn't just say God, the, the world's made, that's good, God's off doing something else. He actually like takes up his seat here. He dwells here. He rests, he stops, and his, his desire is that the whole earth would be filled with his glory, that the world would actually be a temple for the living God. So you see, God rests. God works, then rests, and as he rests, he takes delight in the world he's made. It's not just constant output, it's not even consuming, it's actually like, I've made this and I'm delighting it, I'm enjoying it, I'm celebrating it, and actually inviting others into that as well. So this is just, I wonder if you think about God like that. Do you think God is actually at rest? God, God works as well. God continually works. But at the same time, he's continually at rest. God doesn't need anything. God's not needing, needing to be satisfied or needing, demanding something. He actually has all that he needs. He's actually at rest, at peace. He has all the time. He's not busy. And actually, what, what does that say to actually think of God like that? But you might be saying, well, that's fine for God. <laughs> but what about me? Like, I've got work to do. I've got bills to pay. I've got a job. There's, there's so much stuff to get done around the house. I've got assignments at uni or school. And there's just so many people to meet up with and talk to. And there's so many fun things. And I'm behind on shows on Netflix. And it's just so busy. Like, how am I actually supposed to rest? The interesting thing is, like, we're, we're busy, but... In a lot of ways, the, the Israelites, these are God's people, they, they were slaves, so they were really busy. Right? And they just work all day, making bricks all day, every day. No weekend, no day off, bricks all day. And then God rescues them, and he takes them out of slavery, and then he actually gives them the gift of a day of rest. It's called the Sabbath. It's actually in the Ten Commandments. God commands them to rest. He says this, Remember the Sabbath day. By keeping it holy. Again, Sabbath means like cease, and it's the seventh day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male or female servant, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your town. So God takes slaves, and he takes them out, and he's creating this nation, this people group, that he wants to, to reflect him to the world, and he, wants, he, he calls them his son, and he loves them. And he tells them, to, he gives them a day to rest. And he actually says, stop. Stop work on this day. And not just you, but like your, your family stop work, your animals stop work. Like don't make your animals keep working. Give them a day off. 
people who are visiting, give them a day off, make them help them rest. And actually, this was probably harder for them than for us in a lot of ways, because their job was to actually, they were like farmers. Like they, they worked the land, the cropped. If something went wrong with that, they don't have food. <laughs> like, like, it's not like we, we take a day off and maybe we just don't get some jobs done. Like if, if they take a day off and, and something goes wrong, they don't get the work done, they might not be able to eat. Like, like this was a, a significant command that they were commanded. It says, For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. But he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. So God gives them, his people, a day of rest. And he calls it the Sabbath. And it's a command, but it's not, sometimes this gets understood as just, just God wants to give commands and laws. It's not like that. Like God, God commands this as a gift of love. Actually, and part of it is reminding them, you're not slaves. Like, don't be slaves. Slaves work all the time. They never get a break. God's saying, you're not slaves. You're, you're my people. And actually to take a day to rest like he does. And actually step back. And this day was not like just to, no, you're not allowed to do anything. You have to sit around and be still. Like, it, this is a day of celebration and, and joy and, and enjoying the creation and enjoying the good things God gives and actually being rested. So this was actually a gift to God's people. Um, but it was more than that. One also I've been reading, Tom Wright talks about that actually this day this, that God gives in, had more purposes than just being about rest. And one being about humility. And this is interesting. It's the idea that often when we're working all the time, when we're producing or achieving all the time, we start to think that that is what life is all about. But actually, a day to stop and rest reminds us that it's not. It's actually about humbling ourselves before God. This author, Tom Wright, says it this way. It's the humility of recognizing that work was not the be-all and end-all of life, a frantic, relentless greed. Some of you might be thinking, well, I know, I'm, I'm happy not to work. Work's not the be-all and end-all. Now, others of us who think, well, actually, we love work, and work can work all the time. And actually, it can be really hard to not keep working. Maybe it's not paid work, but it's just any kind of achieving, producing work. But he says that's not the be-all and end-all. The keeping of the Sabbath was a stepping back from the idea that Israel or human beings actually owns or runs the world. If we think work is everything, we start to think that actually everything's on us. That's our job to fix the world. It's our job to save things, to, to protect ourselves, to make life good. Actually, overwork, working seven days a week correlates with a loss of faith in God, the creator and the provider. And in many ways, this was a call to humility because by stopping, especially for them working the land as farmers, by stopping, they remember, actually, this land even is not ours. We're not God. We're not the creator. He is. And actually, we're working really hard to provide for ourselves, but actually, we're not the provider. He is. And actually, by stopping, it's, it's a call to be humble and say, actually, life isn't all on my shoulders. It's on God's. And actually, we partner with him and there's responsibility, but, but the, the responsibility is not all on us. We are to be his creatures and he is the creator. It's not the other way around. So it's actually a, a call to be humble and to rest, to trust, and it takes faith to trust that God is creator, that he is good and trust that he will provide like he's promised. So firstly, there's this, this call to humility for, for Israel to actually stop and remember who God is, to rest in him. 
And this, this, this probably would have caused like anxiety, right? Like, like you've got all this work to do and all of a sudden the need is just to, to stop. And maybe there's this anxiety, but then there's also this opportunity for faith that actually it's okay. God is God. He's in control. He provides. I can trust. I can rest. Because otherwise the only other alternative is we only rest when the job's done. We only rest when we have enough. Only rest when, when, when we get to the point we want to get to, and often that's never, because it's just always more. And so when I have a little bit more money, we have a little bit more things done, or we achieve a little bit more, but that would be never. This is actually the humility, say, God, you are God. I'm going to stop and trust in you. On top of that, though, it's interesting that this is also a call to hope, that this wasn't just don't work for a day, but it's actually about looking forward to something else. This author, Tom Wright, says, The Sabbath was also about hope, the hope that God would keep his promise. And through the cycles of linear time, he would bring about the ultimate rest. So this day of rest was pointing to the ultimate rest, the equivalent of his own enjoyment of creation at the beginning and of Israel's rest in the land after the conquest. So there's these different understandings of rest. The first one is God rests. He gives a day of rest. But he also gives them a land, and he tells that they will be at rest in the promised land. But all of these things are signs. They're pointing forward to something else. In the same way that God rescues them from slavery, they're slaves, he rescues them. But that's pointing forward to something else. When God is going to do the ultimate act of rescuing slaves and delivering them. So God gives a day of rest. But it's, and it's this call to humility, and it's a gift. But it's also a sign of hope that God is working for a greater rest. God is working for a greater thing that, he, that he's got planned. It's pointing towards something. Because the really interesting thing, when, when you study this in the Bible, it's, it's so interesting. Because when you read the, like this is in the Ten Commandments. Like, like this is really important. But then you go and start reading the New Testament, and it's really different. Jesus is, is, seems to be breaking the Sabbath, or at least the understanding of the Sabbath that they have. It's almost like Jesus is kind of cutting against the Sabbath in some ways. And then Paul, who wrote a lot of the New Testament, he doesn't barely say anything about this day of rest. He says things about some of the other commandments, and especially the Ten Commandments, but he doesn't say really anything about, about needing to keep and have uh, the practice of the Sabbath, especially like the Jewish Sabbath. Um, he even says at some time, like... Some people treat some days as sacred and other people treat all days the same and you just make up your own mind and decide. And like Paul, who wrote the New Testament, seems to, and he was a Jew, he kind of has downplayed this. And you kind of think, what's going on? Like this was so important in the Old Testament as a day of rest and a sign of hope. But you come to the New Testament and Jesus kind of almost cuts against it in some ways and Paul downplays it and it doesn't seem that important. It's like, what's going on? And the interesting thing is, if it is a sign that was pointing towards something, it's this sign of this, this time, this Sabbath, this day of rest, this is a time where God, your, God's time and our time are together. But then when Jesus comes, he says this, the time is fulfilled. He says there's all these signs of things that God would, would set up in the Old Testament, that God was pointing towards something. And when Jesus comes, he says, the time is fulfilled. These things that were pointing towards something in hope are here, is what he effectively says. The kingdom of God is at hand. 
God was speaking that promising things. And Jesus says the promises are coming true in me. And things shift now. Whereas before there was this big emphasis on a day of rest. Now it shifts and Jesus says this, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. See, God gave them a day of rest. But now he gives Jesus. And Jesus calls them to come, calls us to come to himself. And he gives us rest. And this is not a day of rest. This is continual rest. This is, this is not just have a day off. This is Jesus has purchased and bought an eternal rest that we can enter into with him, that we can actually trust and rely on him and live in this faith relationship with him, which provides rest. This is, see, this is like Paul says this again, um, talking in Colossians. This is, he's writing, he's going to downplay the Sabbath. He says, Don't let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink, or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon, or celebration of a Sabbath day. These are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. This day of rest that God gave, the Sabbath, was pointing forward, and the reality of rest has come in Christ. That Jesus is the continual rest that he's given us. Tom Wright again says this, Now that heaven and earth have come together in Jesus Christ, and now that the new day has dawned, we live from that point of view in a perpetual Sabbath. That said, you're a continuous Sabbath. Back then it was a day. Now it's never-ending. And, and, and it's not just in a day off. It's in a person, Jesus, who calls us to come to him. And as we come to him, we can continually be in a place of rest, celebration, delight, peace, because of what he's done. That it's not just today, but it, but it continues. That that's actually what he's done through his death and resurrection through the cross. It was pointing to him. So we see this, this idea of revolutionary rest, that God actually is, is different. God rests. He's a, he's a God at rest. But he calls us and wants us to enter into that rest, so he gives a day of rest. So like to put their tools down, to stop working the land, to rest, to remember that God is God. And actually, that's a good place to be because we're not God. And when we recognize that he is, is actually rest. And it was pointing forward to a time where Jesus would come and provide a way for continual rest, a way to trust and live at peace with God at rest. So what we're really saying is that our God is not a slave driver like we might think. He's not a perfectionistic, never-satisfied parent. He's not standing back saying, not good enough. He's actually a compassionate and gracious Father who gives the gift of rest to a weary people and world. He's at rest, and he, his heart is to give that to us, that we would be a people at rest in him. Jesus, do you know that one of the main reasons Jesus got in trouble for the stuff he did on the Sabbath is because he was healing people. He was healing people who were broken, who were tired, who were rejected. He was restoring them to life. He was showing mercy and grace to them. That's, that's what Jesus was doing on the Sabbath. That's because that's God's heart of compassion and love as a father. It's, it's, it's not about this, this rule, the, the, these rules. It's about this, this grace and this love. It, and it's not this demanding, you need to achieve more all the time. Or you need to be distracted, or you need to be, be, be sort of just self-satisfied. But actually we can find satisfaction and rest in Him. 
So that's who he is. I guess then how, how do we respond? And maybe we sort of step back and think, well, where are we at? And a question maybe to ask tonight is, where are you looking for rest? And maybe, maybe if we actually think about our lives, where are we looking for rest? Is it in achievement? Is it in a job? Is it in a degree? Is it in marks at school or uni? Is it in a promotion? Is it, is it once we get to the next thing, then we'll have rest? Is it in family even, a stage of life, getting married? Then I'll have rest. Or maybe it's, it's I, I just, that's too hard. I'm just, I just need to go on a holiday. I just need to get away. I just need to watch some more TV. I just need to have some, some rest. Like, are, are you just looking to consume? To have rest is that where you're looking for rest because because those things if if that's where we're going can easily become false promises and even false gods that we actually look to those things to provide what only he can we actually want to be we, we believe and and the problem is that we're being told that every day all the time buy this thing and you will have rest but it's a false promise from a false god who's not the true God of compassion, but it's actually a trap. And we have to be aware and recognize that and think, where are we looking for us? And to intentionally decide to come and find it in Him. To find it in Him. And this is not just talking about like physical rest, so that's included. When Jesus is talking about this, He's talking about soul rest. Actually, our souls being at rest in Him. One guy, I was reading his book earlier today, and he says, Our souls are made to rest in God the same way a tree rests in soil. Just at rest. We rest in God, and God's life flows in and through us. The same way that the, uh, the, uh, the and metaphors that are used of the Holy Spirit in the Bible are like fruit trees. It's like you don't work really hard to be patient. Like you put the tree in the soil, and it grows fruit. And in a sense, we rest in God, we're grounded in His Spirit, and His life flows in and through us. It's not achieve, it's achieve, consume, it's rest. Find it in Him. Come to Jesus, continual rest that's available in Him. But with that as well, that's the soul rest. He is the source of rest. But with that, we still actually need to take time to actually rest in, in the sense of physically in the sense of stopping. And this is not saying like we have to keep a Sabbath like, like the Old Testament, but it's saying that actually there's, there's, there's a rhythm of work and rest that, that's just true of the world, that if we don't rest, eventually it's going to catch up with us. There's actually a need to rest. And this actually means to stop. Um, it doesn't, doesn't mean a day off where we just fill it with activities and then we're really tired at the end of it. It means a day where we do things, where we stop, we rest in God, and we do activities that will lead to rest at the end of it and be realigned into Jesus' rest. And actually, a good idea is actually to do that one day a week, a day a week that's just set aside for time to rest in Jesus and do things that will restore us and, and help us to grow. Because Jesus gives rest. The rest comes from Him. But actually stopping to rest is a way of entering and guarding the rest Jesus gives. It's kind of wordy, but the idea is the rest is in Jesus. But our actual practice, an activity that we can do, is actually resting by stopping, whether it's a day or whether it's just some time, 
where we find something where we're peaceful and at rest. I, for me, I rest best when I'm outside and by myself. That's what I found out. So I went bushwalking yesterday by myself and I'm at rest and I can talk to God. And, and it's a way of entering that rest. It's, when things are just busy and, and loud and, and there's all sorts of stuff going on, you just rush, it's really hard to enter Jesus' rest. Like, it's there and it's possible, but it's hard. Actually, when you stop for a while and maybe just sit, maybe not even pray, just sit in silence for a while or read some scripture, we can enter the rest. And as well, taking some time to actually stop guards that rest because, again, the, the, the world and the culture does not lead to rest. And actually, we need to guard that so we stay at rest in Jesus. So this is not sort of saying, well, that's great. Like, I can rest in Jesus. It means I never have to take a day off. I can just keep working all the time because he's my rest. Like, like that, that misunderstands. If anything, it's the opposite. Jesus has given us rest. Therefore, you can actually stop for a while. Actually stop and recognize he's God, not us. He's provider, not us. And the experience of that, at least for me, when I do that, you often start to feel a bit anxious because the truth is I started to believe that actually it's on me and that the anxiety, if I don't work, if I don't do something, it's gonna, something's going to go wrong and you kind of feel like the guy lying on the road, like something bad's going to happen. But actually when you stop and that happens, it's good because you recognize actually I'm not aligned to Jesus' rest. This stuff comes up and you let it go and you say actually no, Jesus is God. Arrest in Him, trust in Him. So actually stopping is a practice to enter and to guard the rest that He gives. So tonight, I guess the question is, are you tired? And, and, and maybe you are and aren't even aware of it. But maybe it's time just to, to, to think, actually, am I tired? I actually, yeah, I'm tired. I've just been working myself to death. I've just been constantly consuming, or I've just been trying to achieve. Like, I actually, yeah, I'm really tired. And actually, just acknowledging that can be really powerful. Just to be honest with yourself, to be honest with God. And actually, then from that place, come to Him, because He says, Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened. If you're tired, God's heart of compassion is that He would be your God who gives you rest, because all the other gods won't. They're false. He's the only one who will show compassion and grace as a good father. And he calls us to come to him. And he says, I will give you rest. Rest for your soul even. So tonight, there's, there's an opportunity maybe to just work and rest in God. Do work in the sense of just do some internal work. It's actually, yeah, I'm tired. I need to come back to this place of resting and relying upon Jesus. So we're going to respond with communion. And, and as, we, as we do that, it's a great opportunity to realize that, that Jesus has, has brought um, a way into this relationship of soul, rest, and dependence with the Father, that we're forgiven because of his death and resurrection, that we follow him, that we trust in him. So as we come, we take the, the biscuit and, and his, of his body that he gave and his blood. We dip it in the juice and we eat it. And we say we take his life into us, that he's our source of life. He's our source of sustenance, that we don't live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from his mouth, by his presence and love. So we're going to respond with communion. Um, I've got something else just for us to do that it might be a little bit strange, but I've actually got a prayer to read out together, which we don't really do that here. Other churches do that all the time. We, we sort of just read a prayer. It's kind of a bit liturgical. 
And, and that might sound strange, but, but I thought we could try it. There's this power in, in reading something together because we're all praying on the same way. And it's about inviting God's Sabbath rest to come to our hearts. So I invite you to stand. Um, you can stand now. And I'm just going to, it's a few slides long, but this is a prayer um, and just a practice again to help us enter into Jesus' rest that he has for us. And then when you're ready, you can come forward and, and take communion. So if you can read this with me. Lord of creation, create in us a new rhythm of life composed of hours that sustain rather than stress, of days that deliver rather than destroy, of time that tickles rather than tackles. Lord of liberation, by the rhythm of your truth, set us free from the bondage and baggage that break us from the pharaohs and fellows who fail us, from the plans and pursuits that prey upon us. Lord of resurrection, may we be raised into the rhythm of your new life, dead to deceitful calendars, dead to fleeting friend requests, dead to the empty peace of our accomplishments. To our pactful planners we bid peace, to our over-caffeinated consciences, we say cease. To our suffocating selves, Lord, grant release. Drowning in a sea of deadlines and death chimes, we rest in you, our lifeline. By your ever-restful grace, allow us to enter your Sabbath rest as your Sabbath rest enters into us. In the name of our Creator, our Liberator, our Resurrection and Life, we pray. Amen.